Now broadcasting from the Next Gen Conservative Studio in sunny South Florida. Bringing you the latest in politics, current events, and pop culture. This is the Whitfield Report with Sam Whitfield. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the Whitfield Report, this impromptu Thursday edition, Thursday morning edition, if you're on the uh, East Coast, midnight edition, to be precise. Uh, I hope everyone is doing well. And uh, yeah, without further ado, I just want to uh, come on here and um, just say to Porcelain, well done on the uh, interview with uh, Mr. Medicare, uh Daddy Jim, as the internet calls him. Uh, so a round of applause to Porcelain. And, uh, yeah, I know that soundboard is uh, kind of crabby, but still... Uh, I really appreciate it. It was really entertaining. Probably the most uh, entertaining six hours I've had online uh, anywhere in a long time. Uh, I have to say that. And uh, I had never really heard uh, much of Mr. Medicare before. Like, I knew who he you know, is, because if you're on the internet, in any sense of the, uh, you know, world, if you are in the commentary game at all, whether that be politics or internet culture or anything like that, you kind of know who Mr. Medicare was, is, uh, but still, I wasn't too familiar with him, but, uh, to hear Porcelain, you know, explain all of the, uh, Mersh lore, uh, to Jim, and then to hear Jim's reaction, uh, you know, some of those reactions were just priceless, especially the, uh, the suicide watch reaction that Mr. Medicare gave. That one was, uh, priceless. So, overall, it was really enjoyable, um, just to watch, and, uh, you know, Mersh is a locale. Whether he wants to admit it or not, he is an internet locale. Uh, I, you know, you don't really get to choose whether or not you're a locale. You just become one. And the internet has declared him as such. Um, But anyway, now with all that being said, I do want to make a few things uh, clear here. Um... I, for one, really don't have any, you know, personal beef with Mersh, um, other than the fact that I'm friends with Alan Powell, and, uh, you know, Mersh seems to think that Alan Powell is the worst human in the, in the world, um, because, again, he can't understand a prank, a very obvious prank that Alan did, um, you know, but all that aside, uh, really, you know, Merch can talk about whatever he wants on his show, and, uh, you know, 
say la vie, I guess. And, um, you know, there are lots of people who watch his show that watch my show, although, uh, you know, I'm sure you wouldn't like to hear that, but it is the, you know, it's the truth. And here's the thing. A lot of people who watch my show also watch his show, and I don't mind that at all. I might give some people crap for it, but I don't mind that at all. You know, if people want to watch his stream, they can. If they want to watch my stream, they can. I mean, it's the internet. If you want to watch someone's stream, go ahead and, you know, do so. It's a free internet. I don't mind. Um... So that's that, you know, and as long as no one is trying to cause harm towards anyone, that's, you know, that's all that really matters. As long as you're not trying to do anyone harm, you know, or dox them or take away their income, you know, those are big no-nos. But other than that, just uh, live and let live. And, uh, you know, I'm sure that Mersh will see this and he will again uh you know spurg out and call me a crippled retard or uh whatever and you know refer to cerebral palsy as a pronoun even though it's not a pronoun um at all i'm not really sure how you could confuse uh a disability with a pronoun but hey whatever um you know and i'm sure He'll mention me and that'll, you know, uplift him because I'm low-hanging fruit in his world or whatever. Um, you know, even though in his world, I'm just an ant and, uh, you know, I don't bother him at all because I'm so insignificant. And yet he, you know, he proceeded to go on a two-hour rant uh, about me because, uh, he was nice to me, and he came on my show one time, and because of that, I owe him forever. Um, you know. No, I don't, dude. No, I don't. Um, so, you know, like I said, I don't have any beef with him. He seems to have beef with me, um, you know, which is stupid, but, you know... I guess he's running out of enemies, so he's going to his D-list rogues gallery now. Um, but anyway, overall, just a uh, good job on the uh, interview porcelain. I can't wait for the full documentary, and, uh, you know, cheers to you, my friend. Um, hope all is well, and Godspeed. Oh, speaking of Godspeed... I, uh, this is funny. So, apparently, let me pull this up on Twitter real quick. Uh, let's see here. Okay. Twitter. Okay, let me see here.
Okay, so this happened to me earlier tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Um, apparently I'm blocked by Razor Fist. And, um, I really don't know why. I, I think it had something to do with the fact that, like, Apex Gamma, like, dug up an old tweet of him where he was... Where, like, uh, I guess his ex-girlfriend, like, hijacked his Twitter account and said that, uh, Razor Fist was being unfaithful to her. And, uh, that, this happened, like, two years ago, and it, it, uh, you know, that tweet got out there, and it was majorly, you know, it made the rounds. I do remember that. Um, apparently Apex Gamma, like, found that tweet again and tweeted, <laughs> and tweeted it out, and, uh, I simply, like, replied to Apex Gamma he, uh, Apex was like, does anyone remember this tweet? And I tweeted, uh, oh, I do. Next thing I know, I think, uh, Razor Fist, like, you know, tweet at me, like, fuck you or something. Uh, I went to reply to him, and this is what I got. So I am officially blocked by Razor Fist now. Well done. Um, so yeah, I, um... I got blocked by Razor Fist, so I guess my I guess I got blocked by. I think this is my second e celeb. I know that I was blocked by Keith Olbermann for a while, but uh, apparently he unblocked me, and then I got blocked by Cooper Hefner, um, and then Hef Junior decided to unblock me again, uh, which I'm you know, which I'm kind of glad, because now he needs my help, it seems, but, uh, you know, I guess Razor Fist has blocked me, and, uh, you know, now we'll see where that goes, so, you know, I just thought that's funny, um, shout out to the real official Amazing Adam in chat, uh, hello to you, sir, and thanks for joining me, uh, even though this is an impromptu, uh, late-night stream. So, yeah, making the rounds in the internet world, ladies and gentlemen, and, um, yeah. Alright, so this isn't gonna be a very long, um, stream. I mainly just wanted to say thank you to porcelain, uh, for the Medicare, um, interview, that was a treasure, um, to watch today, and I thoroughly enjoyed it, as I mentioned, uh, everyone go subscribe to porcelain if you haven't already, he is well worth it, um, with that being said, though, yesterday was Andrew Breitbart's birthday, and as anyone who has followed me for really the past, you know, year or so, uh, you know, I always make a point of mentioning that Andrew Breitbart is one of my main influences next to uh, Rush Limbaugh. Um, you know, for those who don't know, uh, the, you know, this whole internet 
subculture thing is relatively new to me. I've always been a political uh, commentary guy, first and foremost. Uh, I would kind of classify myself as kind of conservative slash libertarian-ish. You know, I'm I'm kind of in that spectrum, I guess. Um, But Andrew Breitbart was one of my main influences, and um, he's the reason why I started podcasting. Uh, way back in 2008, um, I first heard him on the Dennis Miller show, and uh, then I started my show on Block Talk Radio. The Whitfield Analysis uh, was there for you know a couple of years when I was in high school. Then I joined Junior Factor Nation, uh, which was on Spreaker, and then. I split off, and by that time, YouTube streaming was kind of becoming its own thing, so I, you know, moved over to YouTube, did a rebrand as the Whitfield Report, and, uh, you know, now we're here. But um, every year around Andrew's birthday, and again on his, you know, on the anniversary of his death, um, which, believe it or not, as of March 1st, it's um, 10 years, um, but every year on this time, I like to do a little kind of remembrance of him, kind of the best moments of Breitbart and what I think, so, um, anyway, just, if you will indulge me, um, here are just a few clips of Andrew's best moments, and, uh, I am going to try and get a few people on, uh, I know, who remember, you know, who worked with Andrew to uh, discuss what he meant to them. I've already had on Ben Shapiro, you know, which is kind of how I made my bones back in the day by having Ben Shapiro on my show before it was Ben Shapiro. And then I've had Christian Blatt on multiple times, as many of you know. And uh, I'm hoping to maybe get a few of Breitbart's other associates. So we'll see where that goes. But um, in the meantime, here is a best of compilation of Andrew Breitbart, and uh, I hope you enjoy. All right, let's see here. Okay. He said you were ridiculous. You said he were ridiculous. He said he was. You are very racist. And you're going to be dealt with. It's going to come to light who you really are. It's going to come to light who you really are. Hey, just answer one question. Yes or no? What about the fake person? And what the left has stood for with political correctness is to try and get those with whom they disagree to shut up. And the Tea Party movement and Sarah Palin and Michelle Bachman. Alan West and and all the all the people that have gone out there against the mainstream media and said you're going to call us racist you're going to call us potential Timothy McVeigh's Fuck you. I understand the language and you're implying that I'm racist. Okay. And. That is what you are, that is going to be the sum total of your education as you go out there and you're not going to be able to make anything 
And that's where I graduated with my American Studies degree. The ability to judge other Americans as not being sufficiently tolerant because they didn't agree with the left's definition of tolerance. And I'm telling you this is that you need to understand what multiculturalism is and what political correctness is. And it is, it is cultural Marxism. And it is the translation of Marxist theory from instead of the haves versus the have-nots. It didn't work in this country. So they created the oppressor versus the oppressed. And so they pitted people in the name of diversity, where they pit Hispanics against each other. Do you know what La Raza is? Do you know what the Reconquistador movement is? It is a racist movement in this country. What about the New Black Panthers, who are supported? They're racist. And, they're, and, and the definition of racism is only white people can be racist because black and Hispanics can't be. It, that is malarkey. They have you thinking in terms of race. Uh, they have you thinking in terms of race. Everything is race. There was a world before this that was created. The buildings that were made here were made by people who didn't graduate their colleges obsessed with race. They learned They learned through math. They learned through science how to improve. I'm answering. You had your statement. You had your statement, and I am answering it. You do not interrupt me. This educational system is going to fail you. You will not be able to invent a widget, and you certainly won't be able to build it in this country anymore. They have ruined... I am the ultimate example. I graduated from college believing exactly as you believe, and I walked in, in from the theoretical world into the real world and realized if I wanted to put rice on the table and pay for my rent, I better get out of this victimhood mentality, and I did. And Andrew was absolutely right there, folks. Now, for those who aren't familiar... Andrew Breitbart was the uh, editor-in-chief of Breitbart.com. I mean, it's it's his website. He's the one who started, um, you know, Breitbart News. And this scene in particular, I probably should have set this up beforehand. But this in particular is him confronting, um, you know, left-wing activists on college campuses and what we would know now as social justice warriors. But this was before, you know, the term SJW was even in the nomenclature. This was around 2009-2010, I believe. But not much has changed at all in regards to how uh, college social justice warriors act. Nothing has changed. What's your take on the university system? A, lo a lot of conservatives have been garbage. The American research institutions in this country are the best in the land. The engineering departments, the science departments, but the humanities departments in our lifetime have been turned to shit. And these kids I feel sorry for here who are sitting around with their gender studies degrees and $200,000 in debt crying 
that this system failed them, and they did. They won't be they won't be able to afford their first down payment on a house until they're 45 years old, but they'll be able to quote Maya Angelou. Opposite of grassroots, which is what this is. And what happened? And what happened? As their organizers said, get away from him. He's trying to provoke you. One person against 350, and they started to walk away. And as they started to walk away, one lady says, as they're chanting, stop the hate, she says, I think he's gay. And I'm like, oh, this is fun. I love the SEIU. I love the organized left because they're not individuals. We have to. Okay, so this was another thing. Okay, so before Antifa and uh, all those weirdos became a thing, before Antifa became a thing, before Black Lives Matter uh, became a thing, there was Occupy Wall Street, which Occupy Wall Street is essentially Antifa. I mean, I've even talked to you know, left-wingers who would consider themselves Antifa, and, and they pretty much said the same thing, that Occupy and Antifa are the same thing. But even before Occupy, the unions were the ones, uh, you know, doing these protests, and the, the in this case it was the SAIU, um, And so they would call Breitbart uh, homophobic, right? And then they would say in the next breath, literally sometimes in the very next one, Breitbart's gay. And this was a constant thing that he dealt with for years and years and years. And this is, you know, something that a lot of people on the right uh, deal with. I mean, I've... I've been called homophobic, right? And then I've always been called, you know, gay or, or a fag or something. And, you know, honestly, when it comes to that whole stuff, I don't, you know, when it comes to gay marriage, like, I don't understand it and whatnot. But, you know, if you're gay and as long as you're not, like, involved in pedophilia or anything, eh, you do you. But they've always been like this, the left. Start confronting them. It's not just the SAIU, it's the mainstream media. They're just as predictable, and we are exposing them every step of the way. I said, hey, I'm at an anti-hate rally, and you just called me gay. That's lovely. Why did you call me gay? Another guy says, because of the way you talk. I go, we've got another winner. And People uh, uh, of all sorts, including my fellow Jews, and even white males who offend me with their every act. I see things through the prism of race and sex and religion, and I'm enraged, and I need to go take on everyone, especially the Caucasian white male. Oh, okay. And where are you going to do that? Wherever I find them. There's there's an outrageous man driving a vehicle. I'm going to confront him. Okay, I get it. Uh, No, so not centrally organized that it could hurl accusations at it and there would be no central organizing force 
that could defend against the accusations that it was racist or sexist or homophobic, which is an absurd accusation to hurl at 10 million people who are simply saying that they want an accountable government uh, and they want limited government and they want uh, a government that spends money wisely and doesn't overspend money and lives within its means. It's an absurd thing. But Omar said something profoundly stupid uh, that he thought that the these guys were heroic, that they, they showed extreme bravery to fly into the World Trade Center. I understand what he meant, though, that they, they were willing to sacrifice their lives. But it was, it, all it is, don't get so offended, it's, it's cynicism. That's all, that, he is the sum of his cynicism. He just wants to say the most offensive thing because he knows that it's going to get a bark from the seals in the audience. That's all it was. And two Houston DJs started to act like the provost at your local, uh, you know, liberal arts college, and said, "Let's get this guy off the air." I was like, "Uh oh." <laughs> Our narrative is that we're pro freedom of speech. We're, you know, you know. And I went out there and I reached out to pray to Handy, everyone. I said, "Oh my God, we have to stand by this guy on principle, okay?" And they did. All of them said, hey, wait a sec, stop going after him, let this exist, because we have to abide by this type of retribution every single day when we defend our basic American Judeo-Christian, you know, democratic, limited government. Which is very interesting, because politically speaking, there's a lot that I disagree with Bill Maher on. And there's a lot that I can't stand about the man. I think he's... Extremely arrogant. There, there is a lot of, you know, stuff that he has also gotten, uh, you know, right. Particularly just how far the left has gone in recent years. Um, but, you know, it, it is interesting that when he was being attacked, you know, for saying that the terrorists were brave, you know, which... You know, maybe it's a stupid statement, but it's interesting that Breitbart, of all people, you know, came to his defense. So he truly was a free speech warrior. Breitbart was. Unlike uh, Owen Benjamin and unlike Mersch, apparently. Uh, Constitutional principles. Where they kick you in the nuts until you... Journal, continue. Alright, so, uh, yeah, I think that will just about do it. Uh, you kind of get the gist. I, I might play more of these in the, uh, coming weeks, but long story short, I am planning on having a, uh, you know, a few podcasts and maybe interviews dedicated to Breitbart's memory since, since the 10th anniversary of his death is coming up. So, um, I will announce when those are, and, uh, I'm looking forward to those. And, um, yeah, I want to thank people for, uh, you know, tuning in. Well, mainly I want to thank Adam for tuning in. Uh, he's really the only who watched this live, but I know that plenty of people will catch this. Um, on the replay, so I appreciate you guys uh, watching this as well and or listening to 
the audio uh, version of this, um, which hopefully will have the video version up on Spotify as well here soon. I'm trying to work on that as well. And, um, oh yeah, I might have to cover the Rogan thing on uh, late, maybe later today on the Thursday afternoon stream as well. But we'll, uh, we'll cover that, you know, later. So anyway, folks, uh, thanks for tuning in, and um, God bless, God save the sweet nation, God free, and I'd like to see you in that order, and I will see you on the next Whitfield Report. Thanks for listening to The Whitfield Report on the NGC Network. Please visit Sam's website at www.thesamwhitfield.com and support Sam on Patreon at patreon.com slash whitfieldreport. Until next time, God bless, God save this great nation, and God, freedom, legacy, in that order. <laughs>